the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerdflix and Chill, and we wanted to welcome you to Game of Thrones First Take, exclusively on LRM. Uh, season 7, Episode 2, Stormborn, has just ended, and we're here to give you our first take on what went down in Westeros. But before we get into it, we also want to let you know that we will also be doing a full detailed breakdown of this episode, just as we did for Episode 1. On our regular podcast feed, Nerdflix and Chill, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website, nerdflixandchill.com. Yeah, that gives us a chance to dive a little bit deeper into each episode, uh, pick out some different thematic elements that we can, uh, that we can kind of sink our teeth into. But, uh, as for our first take, um, I, I don't know about you, but my immediate reaction is, holy shit, there's a lot of stuff in this episode. <laughs> yeah! My first, uh, first take is that things that happen in this episode would have normally taken half of a season to get yeah. to. Yeah, this thing is going at breakneck speed now. I mean, you know, the, the politics of it are still interesting. There are, um, the personal moments that are still interesting, and you got the big action scenes that are still interesting too. So, uh, this is really firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, we had one scene where somebody's saying, I'm going to send a raven. And then it immediately cuts to the next scene where the raven has been received. And then you cut to another scene where they're talking about what they're going to do about the raven. Yeah. And it's like already planned. Whereas before, somebody would want to send a raven. It might be an episode or two later before we find out that it was even received. And then another episode or two later before they do anything about it. Right. And we got right. this in within seconds. It's great that AT&T has taken over the Raven. <laughs> yes. And they got that expanded coverage going all over Westeros now. <laughs> um, I mean, so much big stuff went down here. I mean, I, I don't know what the lead is. Is it Euron's attack on um, Yara? Is it the fact that Jon and Daenerys are going to meet? Is it the fact that he's left the North in Sansa's care? Uh, is it the fact that, that Grey Worm is apparently the second guy in Westeros to go down on a chick? Um, Yay! You know, <laughs> I mean, it, like, <laughs> uh, Nymeria. I mean, we are just all over the place in this episode. Where do you want to start? Hot pie! Hot pie! <laughs> Well, okay, so first of all, at the very beginning, one of the things that really caught my attention with Daenerys is they're not planning on staying in Dragonstone for very long. Yeah, they do not want to they do not want to waste their time. They want to no. get right at it. Yeah. And that kind of uh set us up for the entire episode. It's like nobody's staying in place for very long. You know, we've talked on our show in the past, when we've done Game of Thrones episodes um, that you can find on our website, nerdflixandchill.com, uh, we've talked in the past about the symmetry between the stories of John and Daenerys. And right off the bat, we had some of that symmetry at play when she starts kind of giving uh, Varys this kind of grand inquisition. And you almost get the sense that she's ready to execute him in, in a certain sense. I mean, um, and this mirrored John's situation last week. Where he chose to spare, you know, um, Alice Karstark and Ned Umber 
And now Daenerys is choosing to spare Varys. Right. I loved just their head to head. I mean, I've, I've always really enjoyed the writing for Varys because he's, he's very quick witted and I, I liked seeing her be challenged a little bit and, uh, how she dealt with that. And it just really showed how strong she was. And then not only that, but then she kind of came head to head with Lady Olena a little bit, who is incredibly strong personality. So I loved seeing Daenerys and Varys. And then I loved seeing Daenerys and Lady Olena one on one. I thought those were incredibly powerful moments. Yeah, and I like the fact that as soon as Daenerys gets there, I mean, no no sooner has she dusted off the map table that she's already getting a sense of the Westerosi politics. She's already got Leda Elena in her ear telling her not to necessarily trust Tyrion too much and to kind of do things on her own and trust her own instincts and that whole thing. Um, you know, so right away we start to have that friction. Yeah, and she didn't... Uh, she didn't have that so much over in Essos. I mean, in Essos, she was really just kind of conquering and freeing these slaves, and she she didn't have as much politics so much. It wasn't as much of this kind of strategy. Not to say that there wasn't any strategy involved in Essos, but this is different. This is very, very different. Right. I mean, apparently, and, and speaking of Essos, uh, looks like Cersei had some help from the Russian government in, uh, kind of spreading fake news about Daenerys's, uh, <laughs> Daenerys's exploits over in Essos because that's a lot of what happened there. Uh, um, we have Cersei trying to gain support from the Tarly, uh, forces and kind of using, um, things about Daenerys from Essos, these kind of legends about her as a way to say that she's going to come and just fuck everything up. You know, I, the whole time that I'm seeing um, Sam's dad, there, basically in the throne room and just how strong of a personality is. I would have loved to have seen a scene with him and Tyra and um, uh, Cersei's dad. Tywin Lannister. Tywin. I was saying Tyrell. I'm like, no, that's not it. Oh, me and names. Because these two guys, they seem to be kind of cut from the same type of cloth. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I almost wanted to say that maybe Cersei sees something of her father in him a little bit. I don't know. I maybe. just would like to see think of that. I also think it's interesting that Jamie is kind of going with this route of like, I know you hate Cersei, but... We need you to help defend the realm because in, in, from Jamie's perspective, you know, he sees the Dothraki and the Unsullied as kind of like basically savages. And I think he believes that he needs to protect the realm. I think that is, that is his position. I don't know that it's necessarily about, you know, stabilizing the throne for Cersei. I think that's the, the byproduct of his service to the realm. And I think that's very much the mindset that we get from Jamie in this episode. Well, and it's interesting too, because that's kind of what we get from Tyrion. Tyrion understands that. And that's why yeah. he's like, no, it's going to be so much more powerful if we have these forces from the South that surround King's Landing. If, if we have the Dothraki and the Unsullied there, then we're proving her point. We, we can't do that. So I, I he's really smart. And um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. 
Well, it's also going to be interesting to see how the plan changes with Alaria Sand having been captured along with Yara uh, having been captured. So uh, you you see Daenerys' team has taken a hit here. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how that affects some of the decision making. Um, Can they still get the Dornish army? I would assume they probably could. but I mean, who knows? I think that's that's a wild card that they weren't expecting. Well, what did you think of the big sea battle here at the end of the episode? I was excited by it. I mean, here we have Euron Greyjoy. Euron Greyjoy, seeing him in his full crazy. I mean, because that's one of the things in the books that he's just seen as being just manic and crazy and we got to see that Did you see his eyes he's giving you crazy eyes as he's coming off of that ship as he's riding whatever that you know plank this like toothed plank down onto um yara and theon's ship just this manic laughter as it's it's being lowered on there and I mean, how cool was it to actually kind of finally see the Greyjoys in their glory, where they are known as being these just incredible fighters, and we haven't seen so much of that, really. So I thought it was really exciting to see. It's It was one of my pet peeves, we're seeing this big battle at night, but <laughs> it was still really kind of cool to see it. Uh, I think some of the visuals of this battle work really, really well. Uh, the shaky cam aspects do not. And uh, that I put totally on the director of this episode, Mark Mylod. Yeah, it was done a bit different. Um, it was a bit uh, different of a style than I think what we're really kind of used to with Game of Thrones. There were a lot of really quick cuts, and that's another one of my like fight scene pet peeves. Yeah. But again, I think it was just... I loved seeing Euron in, like, full crazy fighting mode. So that kind of tipped the scales for me. You know, I think you're right. I think Euron really sells this battle. He just looks like he he is, like, just looks like he is having so much fun, even though he's, like, covered in blood and killing people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we also ditched two of the Sand Snakes. Bye! So they are gone. I don't gone. think anybody's heartbroken over that. They will be missed. Yeah, not so much. You know, it's funny. I took I took some very quick notes <laughs> while I was watching the episode, and uh, my last note says "Walrus is the gift." That's my phone corrected. Walrus, um, Alaria to Walrus. <laughs> so we got confirmation Fantastic. that Alaria the Walrus is the gift. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and one of the other interesting things about this episode is the coming together of this story. Like, I was just kind of sitting there flabbergasted to hear Melisandre talking to Daenerys about Jon Snow and to hear Tyrion react to Melisandre talking about Jon Snow and, you know, to hear the name Jon Snow come out of Daenerys's mouth and to hear the name Daenerys Targaryen come out of Jon Snow's mouth. It, it's just, uh, it's so crazy to see this all coming together now. Yeah, Westeros just got a lot smaller in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is setting up a big meeting between the two of them next week. Um, Daenerys expects Jon to bend the knee. I do not think he will. No, I don't think he will either. And this is a huge, huge meeting that I think everybody is really going to expect a lot out of this meeting of these two characters. This is this is massive. Well, it's got to be the biggest 
moment potentially of the series is when these two uh, beloved characters meet for the first time. You know, yeah. all this talk, all this speculation over the years about ice and fire and, and, you know, these two characters being kind of the, the characters that are emerging as the, as the leads. Um, this is going to be monumental. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, it, it's still just, again, mind blowing that it, they're going to be meeting in episode three. Yeah, absolutely. So early in the season. Um, and of course, you have Melisandre talking about the prince who was promised. Uh, and of course, we get a, a little play on the interpretation by Misande saying that it could be prince or princess. Um, so I feel like that's kind of an interesting maneuver that they did there with the, mm -hmm. with the language, but, uh. Very much so. Yeah. Um, speaking of Misande and Grey Worm, they actually finally get to business. Yay! That made me. I actually, there's a couple times in the show that I made audible responses, and that was one of them. Yeah, I gotta say, though, I do feel like Grey Worm is now in trouble. Well, if if we go back to one of our speculation episodes that we had, where there were some uh, pictures that were released, um, some official pictures, and I had a speculation that I thought that there was going to be something happening to Grey Worm. And I haven't heard anybody else say this. And I'm putting it here now again on another channel or on another website that I think there's something going to be happening with Grey Worm. Because there was something in those pictures that made me think. Because uh, Misande was wearing a brooch that she did not have on in another picture that Grey Worm was wearing. So I'm, I'm just going to say that. I think... Well He's I think even more I, I think even more thematically speaking, you feel like you got a resolution to his character. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't want anything bad to happen to Grey Worm, but I feel like he's kinda got the mark on him now. Yeah. Uh from Grey Worm to Grey Scale, how about Sam shaving bits of Grayscale off of Jorah? Oh, and then the second time that I made an audible response to the show was that transition <laughs> from old town to the tavern where aria is meeting hot pie that transition oh, yeah. just made me blah that was so gross and Boy, they're really going for the gross out stuff this season on game of thrones yeah eat before you watch the show this year yes that's true and nothing creamy but uh Hopefully. man, the uh, the the Jorah and Sam stuff. I like the fact that Sam, upon hearing the name Mormont, is kind of like now feels obligated to help Jorah. I really yeah. like that a lot. Yeah, uh, kind I do of a, too. A throwback to the old bear Gior Mormont. Uh, I really like that a lot. I have no idea where this is going with Jorah and Sam, but I do like the fact that these two are kind of uh, uh, on this little side story now. Yeah, I do too. Um, you, you mentioned Arya, and oh, what a moment! Yeah, that was that was tense, and I I'm really love... curious as to what you take from this. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, my immediate takeaway, and again, this is first take, so I haven't had a chance to watch this a second time or even get into the uh, deeper storytelling things. But um, I think that Arya 
in leaving Westeros became no one. And since she came back, she is trying to reestablish her starkness. And when she hears, when she has her reunion with Hot Pie, and Hot Pie tells her that Jon Snow took back the North, it's like an instant change in her character. And oh, completely. Now she feels obligated to go home. And, uh, yeah. And now to have Nymeria kind of there, I think Nymeria's got kind of another purpose in the story. But, like, this idea that there is potentially a direwolf army being led by Nymeria is kind of amazing. Yes. Um, uh, but the moment where she sees her, I thought that was just overwhelmingly emotional. I thought it was terrific. Um, I did and I too. think, I think this is a reminder of Arya and kind of regaining her starkness. It's, she, she went from Arya Stark to no one and now she wants to go back to Arya Stark again. And, uh, I think this is the first step on that path. Well, it's not only that, but when she leaves that tavern, when she heads outside on her horse and she's deciding, okay, am I going to follow the road south? Or am I going to follow the world north? And the Stark theme starts playing. And she turns and heads north. I was just like, yes! That was amazing! Okay, so then she meets Nymeria, which Nymeria looked amazing. Yeah, Like, we finally had that giant uh, direwolf look. She looked incredible. But the part that I'm really wondering what your take is, and I'll tell what mine is, is when Arya says... Oh, that's not you. I think a lot of people might initially think that, oh, that wasn't Nymeria. I mean, who else could it be? But I think it, it means that she realized that it's not Nymeria. It, it's not in Nymeria's character to go back to Winterfell. Nymeria is wild now. She's She is now the leader of this pack and it is not in her character, it would not be, she would not be her true self if she were to turn around and go back to Winterfell to be Arya's direwolf. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. That's That's an interesting way to look at it. But uh, you could also look at it as Nymeria is a direct reflection of Arya's personality. Yeah. Been lost in the woods for years and has become something almost unrecognizable. And um, maybe they both need to be on this path towards um, their own kind of uh, reestablishing their own personalities. I just thought it was um, almost even just as, as moving to me. And I thought it was a wonderful move by Maisie Williams. When Hot Pie gives her that news that John is King of the North and he's Winterfell, just the look on her face. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta, I, it was amazingly well performed. Maisie Williams deserves a lot of credit because she's really killing it this year. She's been yeah. really good. Well, she's been given a lot to, well, <laughs> to chew on <laughs> as she's eating that big piece of pie. Yes. Um, Have no, you ever I, made any pies? A couple. One or two. <laughs> With people um, in them. And then hot pies. Like, I couldn't believe I thought you were a boy. You're really kind of pretty. I thought that was cute. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've been loving everything going on with Arya. I mean, you, just the, the, the scenes of her just kind of eating and the way she's drinking and like wiping her face. You know who she's reminded me of is the hound. Oh, yeah. 
Like, just, I mean, just some of the behavior and the mannerisms and the kind of, like, sullen personality. But then it all changed when she hears about John. Yeah. And then, of course, now that John has decided to ride south, we had that great scene with him and Littlefinger. I was hoping that he was going to fucking choke Littlefinger out right there in the crypts. Right? And I think both of our speculations as to what we thought was going to lead to that choke were completely wrong. Yeah. Yeah, Completely wrong. Yeah, we were we were way off base there. It turned out to be less uh less of a thing. Yeah. Uh man, how cool was it though seeing that Ned Stark statue down there in the crypts? That was cool. And a really good likeness of Mr. Sean Bean, by the way. Yeah. Ned Stark is just a specter that hangs over this show and he has for seven seasons now. It's pretty amazing. Um and so now we have John riding south, leaving the north in Sansa's hands. What did you think of that, how all that went down? Well, I'm actually going to back up just a little bit because, you know, here we have the Ned Stark statue that's down there. And I thought it was really interesting that we have Jon Snow backing Littlefinger and and choking him up against the wall, which again reminded me of how Littlefinger did that to Ned Stark in season one. Ned Stark did that to Littlefinger. Yes, I'm sorry. I said that backwards. Let me... First take. Second take. Um, (laughs) Ow. Jon Snow did the little finger the same as Ned Stark did. <laughs> he did. He did. But, uh, you know, more to come on that. I think that, uh, that I'm really interested in the fact that, that Jon has left Winterfell and the North to Sansa because, and, and I love the way they work the history in there of yeah. when, you know, the last time Stark rode south to, to, to treat with a Targaryen. It did not go well. Right. So he's left her in charge, kind of running things. Uh, so, you know, that I'm sure Littlefinger will be working his magic behind the scenes. But now, thinking about where all the pieces are, John is riding south to meet with Daenerys. Yeah. Arya yeah. is on her way north. Pr- Do you think probably they'll cross paths? Home. Um, I, I'd have to look at the map to kind of see where everybody's at. Um, cause she might also run into the hound at some point. I think that's still possible too. Um, so I'm not exactly sure where everybody's at at the moment, um, but we also have Bran up at the wall. There is potential for a Stark reunion that might actually happen. Yeah, and I think the, I think the one that everybody really wants to see is John and Arya. So yeah, I gotta uh, tell you, it was it was uh, it was very emotionally satisfying for Arya to get that news about John. Yeah. Just the idea that John took it back and like it I just love that moment for Arya. I love get, seeing that seeing her reaction to it because yeah. you know so much of this show tends to happen um when we're not with the characters, you know, where they find out bits of information. But I like the way this one was done. I thought it was handled perfectly. I agree. There was and, one thing uh, one more thing that I wanted to um comment on although it's changing the subject and i think you're still sticking on this one go ahead oh okay there was one more thing in the show that i wanted to comment on (laughs) with um uh cersei and this giant bard the boatman black arrow yeah the dragons yeah it looks like they have their uh their (laughs) anti-aircraft uh weaponry ready to go yeah, like I said, very barred the boatman, killed Smog. It's gonna try yeah, and I kill mean, Drogon, it seems. 
dragons in this universe have died before. Um, you know, also Balerion, the Black Dread, seeing his skull, just one of the coolest things. Uh, that was you know, cool. Seeing it in all of its glory. I thought it was awesome. Uh, so it looks like they're trying to develop some kind of weapon that's going to help with that. Who knows when we'll actually see that put into place. Maybe soon. You know what I thought he was going to show, though? I wasn't expecting to see this giant, um, you know, Bard the Boatman type black arrow presented. I thought that's when we were going to see the horn. Well, and I don't know if that'll ever get introduced into the show. But that's when uh, when they started. I, I thought that's when it was going to be presented. I thought so, too, although it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for it to be there. Um, Do you maybe want to explain what that is if somebody had read guess. the books? I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on book stuff. We can get to that in the longer episode. Okay. Um, but basically, that's there a is a, a, a horn called the Dragon Binder uh, that, that does have this ability to kind of um, bend the dragons to your will um i'll just leave it at that we'll, we'll talk, talk more about, about more that later on uh but to me i think maybe the main event of this is uh just the idea that now after all these years after six seasons and two episodes john and daenerys are going to meet they are going to share space they're going to talk Tyrion will be there and if you believe in this whole three heads of the dragon thing they're all going to be in one place pretty fucking awesome i agree now we will be doing a full breakdown of this episode we're gonna watch it a few more times we're gonna uh talk in depth get into some of the different storytelling and uh some of the different easter eggs that are found in this uh in this great episode of game of thrones and you guys can find that uh on our podcast feed which you can find on itunes you can find it on stitcher uh, we are Nerdflix and Chill. Uh, you can also f- check out our website, nerdflixandchill.com, for all of our previous episodes. So, we want to thank you guys for joining us on Game of Thrones First Take. Uh, we look forward to uh, recording our next episode for Game of Thrones, our full breakdown. And again, you can find that on our podcast channel. Thanks for listening, everybody, and may the Force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs>